This article was published in Socialist Action, Volume 5, Number 7, in July 1987. Behind the Cover-Up, Contragate's Hidden History, written by Jeff Mackler. The historic Christic Institute lawsuit has uncovered an intricate web of illegal spying, covert action, dope smuggling, and assassination that has been carried out by the U.S. government for decades. Not surprisingly, many of the same players are the ones testifying today at the Contragate hearings. Not long ago, on the scale of human history, Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels observed in the opening chapter of their Communist Manifesto, titled Bourgeois and Proletarians, that the history of all hitherto existing society is the history of class struggles. Today, a small group of people in the United States, a tiny minority called the capitalist or bourgeois class, seek to render this classic Marxist proposition obsolete. Through the carefully orchestrated congressional hearings on Contragate, they seek to camouflage their rule and cover up the fact that war-making in the United States, and in all capitalist nations, is the prerogative of the ruling rich and their agents in government. The capitalist class would prefer to hide from public view the fact that a long succession of presidents, Democrats and Republicans alike, have functioned as their chief representatives in the pursuit of profit through war, terror, and genocide. At the opening of the Contragate hearings, there was but a single question to be posed by the Congressional Guardians of Law and Order. Did President Reagan know that the top government officials in his National Security Council NSC, were funneling money to the Nicaraguan Contras? The answer to this question soon became obvious when virtually every witness brought to testify at the hearings provided information to implicate the President, who continued to deny his involvement. The American public was far ahead of the congressional investigators. National polls taken before the opening of the hearings indicated that more than 65% of the public believed that President Reagan was lying. This figure increased with each passing week. Reagan was compelled to shift to higher ground. Admitting his intimate knowledge of the Contra arms shipments, he asserted that the Boland Amendment, the legislation supposedly prohibiting such shipments, was limited in its application to the intelligence gathering agencies of the United States, such as the CIA. The National Security Council, Reagan argued, was merely his personal advisory board, not a formal agency of the government. It was exempt from the congressional ban and was therefore not prevented from organizing a massive flow of arms, planes, explosives, and other weapons to the professional murderers Reagan likened to the founding fathers of the United States. While congressional lawyers and constitutional experts puzzled over the legal aspects of Reagan's claim, a little-known and unlikely candidate for the job of exposing at least a portion of the truth behind the cover-up has begun to emerge. Historic Lawsuit Daniel Sheehan, General Counsel of the Christic Institute, a public interest law firm and interfaith public policy center in Washington, D.C., has filed a lawsuit under the provisions of the Racketeer Influence and Corrupt Organization Act, RICO. The suit was filed in a Florida federal district court on December 12, 1986. In the suit, Sheehan and plaintiffs Tony Avirgan and Martha Honey Victims of one of the U.S. instigated terror bombings directly linked the President of the United States to a chain of illegal terrorist acts against the people of Nicaragua. But their suit does more. 
It demonstrates that the perpetrators of these crimes, including Reagan, the highest officials in the US government, and their underlings, carry out vital aspects of the foreign policy of the US ruling class through a secret team which has functioned clandestinely over the past 27 years. Sheehan's affidavit documents how this team, which is largely directed by the National Security Council, the real decision-making body of the U.S. ruling class, is responsible for a series of U.S.-sponsored acts of international terror. The list begins with the 1961 invasion of Cuba at the Bay of Pigs, and runs through acts of individual assassination and mass murder in Vietnam, Laos, Iran, and Libya. The suit focuses its central attention on the direct responsibility of the U.S. President and the secret team for the illegal terrorist activity of the Nicaraguan Contras. It specifies some 79 sources of information, including past and present top CIA officials, a host of government agency personnel, Contra functionaries, Costa Rican government officials, elected representatives, members of the clergy, and others. Sheehan's case has already withstood all efforts to dismiss it from court. Ruling Class Politics Exposed The suit has met the legal requirements to show probable cause to substantiate its allegations against 29 defendants. The list of defendants includes Contragate Hearing Witnesses, Major General Richard Seekard, Major General John Singlau, Businessman Albert Hakim, and Robert Owen, a man who functioned as Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North's personal representative to the Contras. Other defendants include top CIA officials and forward administrations, a number of professional assassins directly linked to the mafia and organized crime, former terrorist supporters of the Cuban dictator Fulgencio Batista, and the central Colombian crime figures behind the massive importation of cocaine into the United States. Christic Institute attorneys, armed with a court order granting the right of 25 years discovery, are proceeding through the information gathering stage of the lawsuit. The material they have already presented implicates the Democratic and Republican administrations since Eisenhower in illegal terrorist and genocidal acts. But what is unique about the lawsuit is not the fact that top US government officials have been linked to organized crime and mass terror against other nations. This has been well documented by credible researchers and countless studies. The uniqueness of this lawsuit, funded in part by church-based foundations, is its exposure of the functioning of the internal decision-making bodies of the U.S. ruling class, particularly the National Security Council. The lawsuit demonstrates that the concerted and worldwide application of terror and violence against innocent people is not the product of conspiracies among demented individuals but rather the carefully calculated and historic practice of the ruling rich. Although it is not its stated intention, the suit shows that a tiny minority in society, driven by the laws inherent in capitalist production, is compelled to employ the ultimate weapon of war against the peoples of the world. A suit worthy of support. Daniel Sheehan and the Christic Institute are not newcomers to the field of political law and political struggles. The Christic Institute handled the successful litigation in the Karen Silkwood case, the Brownsville, Texas Sanctuary Trials, and the defense of Mayor Eddie Carthen against murder-slash-frame-up charges in Mississippi. After the failure of all government efforts to dismiss the suit, the Christic Institute secured murder indictments against the Ku Klux Klan and members of the Nazi Party and Greensboro Police Department in North Carolina. 
Over the past decades, Sheehan has been centrally involved in some 60 important legal battles in defense of civil liberties and democratic rights. While the chances of this current lawsuit achieving its stated goal of removing from public office all those found guilty of violating the laws of the United States are infinitesimal, the Institute's Contragate lawsuit merits the support of all those who struggle for truth and justice. It is an important part of the ongoing struggle to inform the working people of this country about the real workings of capitalist government. The knowledge gained will be put to good use in the future as a new generation learns that a truly democratic society can only be based on new institutions which guarantee the rule of the majority through its direct participation in government. This is the socialist vision of future society, a society whose political and economic priorities are based on human need as opposed to capitalist profit, greed, and war. Cuba, the first Contra War in 1959, immediately after the revolutionary victory of the Cuban people led by Fidel Castro, Vice President Richard Nixon, with the full authorization of President Dwight Eisenhower, chaired a special committee of the National Security Council to organize a plan codenamed Operation 40. The purpose of the plan was to undermine, weaken, and eventually overthrow the government of Cuba. The plan included the use of right-wing pro-Batista Cubans. In late 1959, Nixon and CIA Director Alan Dulles supervised the recruitment of expatriate, right-wing Cubans, and set up two remaining bases, one in Miami, the other in Guatemala. The aim was to send these Cubans back to Cuba to set up guerrilla operations against Castro and to mount terrorist military attacks against the economic infrastructure of Cuba. In early 1960, Nixon directed Howard Mahew, director of billionaire Howard Hunt's financial empire, to meet secretly with two men, Sam Giancana and John Rosselli. These men represented former Havana Mafia, Don Santo Traficante, whose Havana Casino, hotel, and prostitution operation was run by Resorts International Incorporated, a Meyer Lansky Mafia company. Traficante was Lansky's lieutenant. It was agreed at this meeting that Nixon's secret NSC Operation 40 would be supplemented by a private organization headed by Traficante with the goal of assassinating Fidel Castro, his brother Raul Castro, Che Guevara, and five other Cuban revolutionary leaders. The assassination squad, known as the Shooter Team, was selected by Traficante. Its members were Rafael Chichi Quintero, Felix Rodriguez, aka Max Gomez, Luis Posada Carillas, aka Ramon Mendina, Rafael Villaverde, Raul Villaverde, Ricardo Chavez, Frank Fiorini, aka Frank Sturgis, Rolando Martinez, and two other Cuban Americans. Most of the above mentioned are directly named by Sheehan as defendants in the Christic Institute lawsuit. They are charged with working directly with President Reagan's secret team in the illegal funding of the Contra War in Nicaragua. Bay of Pigs Invasion In the summer of 1960, when John F. Kennedy won the Democratic Party presidential nomination, he was briefed by Dulles of the CIA about Operation 40, the order by the CIA against Fidel Castro, quote, terminate with extreme prejudice, unquote, was pursued by the shooter team between 1960 and 1963. During this period, several assassination attempts against Castro were carried out. Contrabases were established by the CIA in the Escombre Mountains of Cuba in July 1960. These bases were supplied with incendiary bombs and other explosives for use against Cuba's major urban centers. 
Between January 1961 and April 1961, the low-profile guerrilla infiltration strategy of Operation 40 was transmuted into a plan for a full-scale invasion of Cuba at the Bay of Pigs. The invasion of April 1961 used the personnel of Operation 40 and thousands of Cuban counter-revolutionary mercenaries trained under Eisenhower and Kennedy. These Contras were armed with U.S. naval, air, and army weapons. Within three days of their April 17, 1961 landing in Cuba, the Contra army was routed by an aroused Cuban population that included an armed militia of 250,000 workers and students. By June 1961, Robert Kennedy regrouped the tattered remains of Operation 40 and reinitiated the old low-profile guerrilla raids into Cuba. Operation 40 was renamed Operation Mongoose and was continued by the Kennedy administration until November of 1963. The supervisor of Operation Mongoose was a 34-year-old CIA agent, Theodore Shackley. His deputy was Thomas Kleins. Operation Mongoose functioned in a working partnership with Mafia Lieutenant Santo Traficante. The combined program, codenamed JM-WAVE, was headquartered in a few small buildings on the campus of the University of Miami. Laos, Mass Murder and Opium In 1965, Operation Mongoose and JM-WAVE were shut down, and Shackley and Kleins were transferred to Laos. Shackley became deputy chief of station for the CIA, Kleins was his deputy. Shackley and Kleins provided air support for one Van Pal in a three-sided drug war for control of the illegal opium trade in Laos. Van Pal's competitors were mysteriously assassinated. Shackley and Kleins initiated a secret training program of Hmong tribesmen in unconventional warfare. This included training in political assassination. By 1966, their special operations were financed by Van Pal. In 1964, a multi-service group known as the Military Assistance Command Vietnam Special Operations Group MACVSOG, was set up in Saigon. Commanded by General John K. Singlao, the group supervised political assassinations in Laos, Cambodia, and Thailand. Serving under Singlao in 1968 in Laos was a second lieutenant named Oliver North the same North who, until his resignation a few months ago, served as President Reagan's chief organizer of U.S. military aid to the Contras. The deputy air wing commander for the group was then Air Force Lieutenant Colonel Richard Seckard, later promoted to the rank of Major General. Seckard resigned from the Air Force some 19 years later at age 54, when one of his subordinates was about to be indicted for smuggling arms to Libya. The assassination program was under the direct control of Shackley and Kleins, who operated out of Laos. Between 1966 and 1975, the Special Operations Group in Laos, through the secret program funded by Van Pau's Opium Income, assassinated over 100,000 non-combatant village mayors, bookkeepers, clerks, and other civilian officers in Laos, Cambodia, and Thailand. In 1968, Shackley was transferred to Saigon, where he became CIA Station Chief. At this time, Shackley's former associate in the JM Wave operation in Miami, Santo Traficante, flew to Saigon to meet Shackley's Laotian associate, Van Pau. They formed a partnership to import China white heroin into the United States. By 1969, Traficante became the top U.S. heroin importer. 
Van Pau's financial contribution to the unconventional warfare project of Shackley and Klein's increased correspondingly. Overthrow of Allende in Chile in 1972, Shackley was transferred to the United States, where he became chief of the CIA's operations for Central and Latin America. Kleins went along as his deputy. Shackley and Kleins directed the project known as Track 2 in Chile, which included the assassination of Chilean President Salvador Allende and the overthrow by the Chilean military of the Allende government in September 1973. In the course of this U.S.-organized coup, the Chilean military, headed by General Augusto Pinochet, murdered some 10,000 Chilean worker, student, and peasant activists. Vietnam Genocide In 1973, Shackley and Kleins were transferred to CIA headquarters in Langley, Virginia, where Shackley headed the East Asia Division of the CIA, with Kleins as his deputy. They directed the Phoenix Project in Vietnam in 1974 and 75, a program designed to cripple the infrastructure of Vietnam after a U.S. troop withdrawal. This included the assassination of some 60,000 village mayors, treasurers, school teachers, and non-Viet Cong administrators. The program was financed by Shackley and Kleins, again using Van Pau opium money. The opium accounts were administered by a U.S. Navy official in Saigon, out of the U.S. Office of Naval Operations. The bursar for the Vietnam Phoenix Project was Richard Armitage. Formation of the Secret Team In 1973, Shackley, Kleins, and Armitage made preparations for their own private, non-CIA, assassination and unconventional warfare program. This preparation included smuggling large quantities of money from the Opium Fund out of Vietnam. The money was taken to Australia by Secret and Kleins and secretly deposited in the Nugent Hand Bank and other accounts accessible only to Shackley, Kleins, and Secret. This secret team also smuggled thousands of tons of weapons, munitions, and explosives out of Vietnam into a secret arms cache in Thailand. The money and arms collection were stored for future use. Shackley's liaison officer in Washington, D.C. from the Operation 40 Committee and the Nixon White House was Eric von Marbod, an assistant secretary of state for Far Eastern Affairs. Von Marbod shared this information on the Phoenix Project directly with his supervisor, U.S. Secretary of State Henry Kissinger. Saigon was liberated by the Vietnamese people in April 1975. The Vietnam War was over and the secret team shifted its operations. Over 4 million Vietnamese were killed or wounded in the course of a war in which the U.S. government dropped more bombs than in the combined wars since the dawn of history. But the personal and direct responsibility for the individual assassination of specifically selected Vietnamese non-combatants is with the leadership of the secret team. That's enough for one sitting. Pardon my tone, this shit really gets under my skin, and while we're being honest, I hope it stirs something inside you, listener. We will resume this article next week, or more likely even sooner, if you're a patron, that is. If not, you can join our Patreon for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash epicincredulity. 
for now, comrades. Agitate your epoch. In early 19... In early 1960... Nixon directed Howard... Nixon directed Howard... Howard Mayhew... Director of Billionaire... Howard Hunts... (laughs) 